On today's episode of The Beauty Debut, I'm very excited to introduce you to somebody very, very special to me. I'm sure if you think back on your career, there will be a few people that come to mind that were very influential and were instrumental in your success. I am very happy to introduce you to one of those people in my life. Her name is Krista Joyner, and I met Krista about 10 years ago when I applied for an account executive position with Glow Beauty. Krista was the regional manager for the area that I was applying for, and Meeting her really just changed the direction of my career. I had recently moved to Vegas, and I thought that I would get right back into aesthetics, either practicing at a spa or a medical spa. Well, that didn't really work out the way that I thought. So a friend of mine suggested that I try sales. Um, My friend knew that I was really good at selling. In fact, you know, retail has been something that I've always done really well with as a practicing esthetician and makeup artist. um, Sales just became, was very second nature to me. So I hadn't really thought about doing outside sales before, but I thought, you know, what the heck? What have I got to lose? Well, I've never looked back since then. And Krista has been my sales mentor. I am so thankful for her being in my life early on in that time, really guiding me through how to be successful in sales. And throughout that time, we became friends, which was an added blessing. And being her friend and also her colleague has been really one of the things I'm most, most grateful for. So I'm very excited to introduce you to my friend, my mentor, Krista Joyner. You're listening to The Beauty Debut. I'm your host, Claudia Fabian. As someone who has spent over 25 years in the beauty industry as an esthetician, makeup artist, and in professional sales, I want to share what I've learned. Allow me to be your beauty avatar and give you a behind-the-scenes look at what it's really like to work in the world of beauty. And follow me as I navigate how to age gracefully. And remember, it's never too late to make your debut. This podcast is about all things beauty inside and out. Tune in every week to hear my conversations with the amazing professionals who are working in all aspects of the beauty industry. Get the scoop on the latest trends and learn firsthand insider tips and tricks to help you look and feel your very best. I'm so happy to have you here. The Beauty Debut starts now. Krista, Krista Joyner, thank you so much for taking time to talk with me today. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I I am too. I'm just, I was really excited to have this conversation because honestly, you're a wealth of knowledge and I'm excited that other people are going to get to share in what you know. And I know people are going to walk away from this episode um, with a lot of good tips and perspective on the industry. Well, thank you. I hope I can provide that for everyone. I'm excited to do this. You will. You're going to provide it. (laughs) So Krista, before we get started in talking shop in regards to sales management and sales in general, I would love just to hear, and and I may know some of these stories just from knowing you, but I don't really think I know the whole 
journey. And I know I would love to know like how you got started because when you see someone as successful as you are, it's always good to know like where they started, you know, what, how did they get there? And I'd love if you could maybe just start by sharing, how did you come into the beauty industry? And on top of that, you know, what made you so interested to get started in the beauty industry? Okay, absolutely. Well, my journey really started when I was very little. I mean, I, my mom used all Estee Lauder products and I would look at her and I was like, wow, you know, I just, I love makeup. I, I would get into all her makeup. And as I got, you know, all older, obviously into my teens, I started using Clinique and I was taking care of my skin and I would read magazines. And then when I turned 18, I started working at the counter at Bloomingdale's and I got really, really more and more interested in the makeup and the skincare. And as I was going to college, I decided to go to esthetician school. And at that time, I was working for Donna Karen's beauty division and training under Mark Potter. And so he was developing this little tiny skincare line. And I was just all in. I mean, I was completely like, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do. Even though I'm in school and college for psychology, like forget psychology, I want to do skincare. And so I was going to esthetician school, going to college. And then I, you know, finished college, but then I, you know, still continuing with aesthetic school. And, you know, while I was going to aesthetic school, I knew like, I'm not going to necessarily be an esthetician. I'm going to do something with like ingredients, with sales, something else in the beauty industry, because I was really fascinated by it. So when I finished aesthetic school, I met somebody that worked for Jan Marini. And that, that was my first kind of jump into the wholesale industry. And I was just completely sunk in. Like I, that was my whole journey into, you know, the wholesale part of the beauty industry. And it really pretty much started from there. Do you think then that your background and having that retail experience at an early age made it easier for you to get a job in sales right away? You know, not necessarily, because I remember when I interviewed that it was hard because they were really looking for somebody that had more of a background in the wholesale industry. And I didn't, of course. So I had to sell myself to, um, at that time, it was Jan's husband who interviewed me. And he was really tough. You know, he was asking me a lot of questions and I was like, look, I can sell, you know, just give me a chance. I mean, I've got, you know, my degree from college, like I'm a smart person. I know ingredients. I study ingredients. I go to all the trade shows. Like I am a beauty guru. Like I have made it my mission to know everything about products. Like I know all the competitive products in the market because at the time in the wholesale industry, there wasn't as many as there are today. I mean, there was, you know, like your main staples, like, you know, MD Forte, MD Formulation, CellXC, Jan Marini was a big one. Um, you know, so there was just, just a handful of products that were out there, Neostrata and SkinCeuticals, you know, you just had your main few, right? So I knew all the companies at the time. And so I impressed him so much. He hired me, <laughs> you know, awesome. he's like, okay. You know, and I flew to San Jose and, and, you know, that was kind of it. And it was proof of concept because I had to really go out there and I had, I didn't really know at the time how hard it was what I was doing. You know, I didn't realize that, you know, what they wanted me to do was kind of unachievable, but I achieved it. You know, they, they were like, Hey, you're going to open four accounts a month. And I was opening six, you know, and I, I had no idea that it was difficult that other people couldn't do it. 
because I thought this is easy. I can do this, but I loved it so much that to me, it seemed really simple. Yeah. I remember you told me one time that you just couldn't believe that you were getting paid to have all this freedom, drive around. You said it's like the best job in the world. And I just never looked back. Like I just loved everything about, you know, prospecting and being out in my car, listening to music and just having, you know, a fun time of it, I guess. I, I did. I thought it was the greatest job ever. Like I, I literally did that. I sat in my car and said, I can't believe I get paid to do this. This is the funnest job anyone could ever do. I get to like go in front of, you know, doctors and spa directors and just talk about something I love so much. Like, I can't believe I'm doing this. This mm-hmm. is the best thing ever. Like, how could anyone not want to do this job? It's the greatest thing. And I mean, they probably could have paid me half of what they were paying me and I would have still done it because I loved it that much. And how did you become a top performer? I mean, like, what do you think the secrets are to being, you know, to rise to the top like you did with, you know, Jan Marini and and other companies that you ended up working for later? Like, what were, what were the secret ingredients in that? You know, when I started, well, even if I go back to Donna Karen, when I was in retail, I was a top performer. And I think it, you know, you have to have passion for what you're doing. You have to really love what you do because when you love what you do, it doesn't feel like you're, you're working. So Mm -hmm. I remember just really enjoying that type of work. And that was one key element to it. But number two is that you know, the discipline of being up and out every day. So, I mean, my first year of sales, I put 43,000 miles on my car Mm -hmm. and I worked literally five to six days a week. And I mean, if somebody said, can you do an event? I was like, oh yeah, no problem. I mean, it was yes to everything. Mm -hmm. It was me driving to San Luis Obispo to Bakersfield. Like I would drive anywhere. And at the time when I started with you know, Jan Marini is an example, they had no samples. And I mean, to think about that, like, I didn't know any better. I didn't know that that would be so, you know, such a hard thing, but I had nothing to compare it to. But so me working with no samples, I mean, if you think about how crazy that is, that is pretty crazy, you know, so I just kind of thought, well, you know, when people started asking me, I was like, well, I'll just go make my own samples. So I remember going to Smart and Final and buying salsa cups. And I'm sure Jan Marini would hate me saying this right now. She'd probably be like, oh my God, what did you do? But I did. I, I made salsa cups and I just started making samples for everybody because I was like, oh my God, I have to have samples. Like, what am I going to do? And they don't have any. So I got to be, you know, innovative. So part of the success was like creating my own innovation, you know, through yeah. how can I, how can I look at it as my business, my own business within a business, which I think is something salespeople don't think about doing, you know, that, because essentially that's kind of what it is when you're in outside sales. If you want to be successful, that is really the mindset you have to have. Otherwise, if you look at it like I'm just working for you, you're never really going to be successful. But if you really think about like, wow, I can earn a lot of commission and I'm, I'm my own business within this business, your whole, you know, thought process changes and I mean, it's amazing how much you can really sell when you just change your mindset and think about it in that context. And so I, I just started blowing the stuff out and, and then I really grew, you know, exponentially with sales. And then, you know, from there I went on, obviously the glow, I left there after four years and I mean, glow was, um, glow was an exciting company because I liked their products a lot more, obviously, you know, I was really Mm -hmm. excited to work there. And that was, you know, just a 
really wild ride going there. But I had a huge amount of success there because we had more to offer as far as marketing materials, a wider range of products. I was selling, you know, $230,000 to $250,000 in skincare a month, which was unheard of. That's crazy. (laughs) I mean, yeah, if you think about that, I mean, nobody, I don't think in the history, I've never still to this day met someone who could sell that much in skincare, you know? So, and how did I do it? I mean, it's just the recipe was the same thing, just being super focused, getting up every day, cold calling my, my butt off, like just, you know, every day going out there and, and really creating these relationships with people that were more than just, hi, you know, do you want to buy something today? I mean, anyone can say that it was really like having these deep internal relationships with people that were a little bit more than a surface. Like I got to know people, you know, on a much deeper level, you know, not in a fake way, in an authentic way, but that, you know, a lot of these people became, you know, friends in, in, in a, in a way where, you know, you see them on a rotation. So you know them, you know, you kind of know, like if they have kids or whatnot. So when you build a relationship with people and you go the extra mile, you know, that takes you pretty far. For sure. And, you know, it's hard for me to picture you as a sales executive. I mean, I know you did it and you worked your way up and you were super successful, but I only know you as Krista, the manager. So when you were an account executive, I know you had to have had a manager at some point. And what do you think from that experience, you know, what made, did you have really good managers? Did you have some not so good managers? And how did that prepare you for when you became a manager? Oh yeah. Well, (laughs) okay. So (laughs) again, in sales. So, you know, my first experience at Jam Marini, Jam Marini was kind of interesting because there wasn't a lot of structure necessarily there. And, um, so, and I became kind of a territory manager there. So I didn't really have anyone necessarily too much over me there. But when I came to Glow, Glow is a much bigger company, um, but still smaller in the sense of, you know, there was structural pieces. My first boss, I'm not going to mention his name, but I really liked him. Mm-hmm. And he, he was there till the end. Um, and we talked about this before you and I. Yeah. A lot of people weren't maybe the fondest of this person, <laughs> but I loved him as my boss, he was my, um, you know, he was the CEO, essentially, I absolutely adored him. He was, he was great. He was easy. He really kind of let me fly. And I really appreciated that. Because if I didn't have him there, when I started, I don't know that I could have done what I did. He was really great. Like, I, if I needed something, it was like, you know, he kind of just let me spread my wings and do what I needed to do. I mean, he came out with me a few times, but he really kind of let me do what I needed to do. And and that was the most important thing he could have done because I didn't need someone micromanaging me because I'm a very disciplined person. Mm-hmm. So I will do my job. It, it was more about just providing tools that I needed to, to do my job. But he was so great at doing that, that it really helped me so much. And every person is different. There are some people that need micromanagement. Trust me. Yeah. I've had those where you've got to manage them the whole entire way, but I wasn't that person. Like you didn't have to watch over my shoulder. I'm going to do my job. I just needed tools. And so I thank him for being that person that was so instrumental. On the flip side of that, I would say in my most recent situation that, you know, I was at a company, we were both there, you know, I mean, it was so poorly uh, orchestrated there that um, I would say the worst situation I had was just somebody who was just 
so unprofessional, you know, talked really poorly about employees. And I mean, at a high level executive position, the worst thing you can do is gossip about your employees that work for the company. Like I've never seen that before. That was the most offensive thing I've witnessed, you know, in all my years of being in, you know, executive management, I, I've never seen anything so poor, poor taste, I guess. Yeah. And, and, and just not a mentor in any way. Um, so I would say my best mentor would have been at Glow mm-hmm. um, Mentorship. I would say even, you know, Mary, she mm-hmm. was, you know, she was tough, but she was, she was a really good mentor in a lot of ways. And, you know, my most recent position that we held together there, I would say that that might have been the most challenging as far as, you know, lack of professionalism that existed. Well, you know, looking from the outside in, you know, nobody could tell because you always are so great under pressure and you're just always the utmost professional. And, you know, it's great to have a mentor, you know, in your career. And it sounds like, you know, who gave you that boost was, you know, the person, the CEO at, at Glow when you had, you know, started working. Working there, and I know you, you know, eventually became, you know, one of their managers of a sales team um, at Glow. And you know, I know when people go into sales management, it's kind of like they're like really excited, and it's like you know they think it's going to be this glamorous thing. And and in some ways it can be, but was it all that you thought it was going to be when you became a manager? Like I know people have a thought of what it's going to be like, but then you really don't know until you get into it what managing a team is really all about. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think people, you're right, people think like, wow, you know, you're a manager, and there's, it's a double-edged sword, because for one, I mean, I was doing really well financially in sales. A lot of times, salespeople can make more than management, you know, depending on how much you're selling. So, you know, I didn't want to lose my income, so I had to secure that. That was the first thing. But I think from a management standpoint, it's, it's kind and I hate to even compare it to being this way, but I think it can be like, kind of like a step parent, you know, we kind of talk about this where sometimes it can be a thankless job, right? Where Mm -hmm. you're, you're doing this job that you put so much effort into, but there's a lot of lack of appreciation on the other side. And you go, wow, I'm, I'm putting so much into it that people don't really understand how hard you work and how much you put into this relationship and what you're doing. And, and you go, wow, you know, so I kind of, it was an adjustment. I'll say that in the initial stages where you, you're, you're really putting so much effort and you don't feel a lot of effort on the other end of things necessarily. And, you know, but then it all works out in the end, you know, you go, this is a great, it's rewarding and it's, it's the greatest thing. And I wouldn't want to do any other thing, but took time, you know, to kind of transition into that role. And, you know, it was, you know, it absolutely was an interesting transition for many reasons. Um, And, but I'm glad I did it you know, at, at the company I was at, because I learned so much. And, you know, amongst, you know, being in management, I mean, you know, we were doing product development. I mean, I, I learned so much about everything. I mean, I, I got a ton of experience there. Mm-hmm. And what would you say in all your years of management, like, what would you, I'm sure there's many, but maybe if you can share like one of your biggest successes, like what would you say you're really proud about? I mean, I, I feel proud of so many things, but I, I think that my proudest moments are really developing my own brand. I mean, I feel like, you know, when I stepped away from all of this and I decided to do something for myself, I feel like that was the proudest moment for me to really do that. But I, I'm also 
I think another big success for me was to see my team really do well. Like I used to feel really, really good having the best sales teams, you know, just watching you or other people on my team do really well gave me a lot of satisfaction because that meant so much to me because when you, you know, you go into management really helping, you know, wanting to help people. I mean, that's part of your job is to help and mentor people. And when you see that actually happen, there's a huge reward with that. And so that made me feel really good. And I really also appreciated that a lot of the team that I had stayed with me for so many years. I mean, I had staff, you know, employees there that were with me for one of them, you know, was there for what, like 13 years. I mean, I've had, you know, people just really stay for a long time. So that, that meant a lot to me, the people that did really well, were very loyal and really, you know, that, that meant, that was, I think the most rewarding for me to see that happen. I love that. And, and I know another side of being in management is obviously managing different personalities and having to adapt and and do your best to really, you know, help each individual person rise to their, you know, fullest potential as much as you can. Mm -hmm. But I know you with all these years, I mean, I want to say it's probably been like over 20 years you've had in management. I, I know you can probably share like, what are some of the crazy stories that you want to maybe share with us about managing reps? Like, what are some of the crazy things you've encountered? Because I know we all have these stories. I think you've got some good ones, Krista. (laughs) Oh, I have the best. And thank God I went to school for psychology. (laughs) Um, You know, that was probably helpful. There's a few. Um, One of the worst ones that I'll tell you a bad one and I'll tell you a funny one. Um, One of the worst, a bad one is, we were at a meeting with Glow Professional and it was a big award meeting and they were giving out really fantastic awards and, you know, big money, Prada bags, you know, all kinds of things, trips. And I think we had well over, you know, hundred people or more there, you know, so it was like the top performing people. And I overheard, you know, that one of the salespeople was pretty intoxicated and it happened to be someone on my team. And I thought, oh my God, no, this is not happening right now. <laughs> and I was like, it's, this cannot be going on. And so, you know, one of the people, you know, executives came over and said, you know, it is one of your people and she's so intoxicated. She's saying something really bad to one of the, to, you know, one of the other people at the table and she's being loud and we can't hear anything at the table and and it's getting so bad. She's saying sexual things. And I mean, it was horrible. (laughs) So we're like, how are we going to get her out? And, and, and on top of it, she was about to win an award. (laughs) She was supposed to win salesperson of the year. Okay. Oh no. I'm thinking this is salesperson of the year and she's insulting people at this table and she's completely inebriated. Oh my so, God. and now we got to get her out of the room without people really paying attention to this. And on top of that, how are we going to, you know, say like what happened to her, you know, because she's not now going to receive her award. Yeah. So we somehow managed to get her out of the room and into this like side room at, you know, at the hotel. 
And she starts cursing and screaming at, at my boss at the time. And I couldn't even believe what she was saying. I mean, I've never in my years heard anything like this. And I mean, this woman's a nice lady, didn't deserve any of these words. It was really bad. Oh my God. And I'm just sitting there. And then she picks up a glass of water, a filled glass, and takes it. And she's trying to throw it at her, at the, my boss. Oh my God. So I try to intervene and it gets all over me. Okay. And I mean, oh. mind you, we're all dressed up. Oh, and we're at this no. meeting and it's fine. The worst thing was I just didn't want glass to get thrown like on someone's face, you know, cause she was intending to throw the glass on, you know, and I was like, Oh my God, this is crazy. So one of the employees that worked for us is like the executive second secretary was a previous, like, you know, she worked at like the Colorado police department. So <laughs> she comes in like, I mean, this is just crazy. She comes in like she's police. She's like, what's going on in here? And she's like, oh my God. So she gets a hold of her and the police from the hotel, because it was the Ritz Carlton. They so come in and they like escort her. They escort her to the room. Oh my and God. we're like having an intervention at this point, oh. missing half the meeting. And um, yeah, we had to, you know, try to talk her off the ledge and we were going to send her back home. And, oh you know, we offered God. to even send her to rehab as a company and, and try to. Aww. intervene at that time to help this person but it it was uh -huh. pretty bad I mean that was probably one of the worst things I'd ever witnessed as you know an executive manager to see that situation occur at a meeting I mean it was really bad I mean it was and horrific I, and the lesson is don't have more than one or two drinks at company parties exactly I mean whatever else she did on top of that it was a combination of things we're pretty sure of that you know and don't you know curse at your manager yeah, and don't swear <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. tips to take away for sure and then you yeah. get to hear like a funny story so yeah to shift from that really bad story the funny story was so I used a recruiting company when I did my hiring for staff and they were always pretty decent and sending me good people and so this one time, um, I really needed someone in Oregon and Oregon was always a real tough place to hire people for whatever reason. We never could find like a really solid salesperson up there. So they, you know, the one lady calls me and she says, I've got the greatest sales rep for you. And I was so excited. I was like, Oh, really great. That's so good. Who, you know, who do you have? So she, she's like, you're going to love her. She, you know, I promise you. And so I talked to her on the phone and sounded really good. She sounded just so over the top, right? Because I'm, I'm used to, you know, I've interviewed, I can't even think in my years how many people I've interviewed. I mean, I'm thousands of people. And so, I mean, we do assessments too, you know, so I know who I'm talking to. They kind of usually fall into like these one of four categories. I'm thinking, God, she's just really over eager. She's extremely excited. I don't even know if this, you know, that's good, but it might not be the right fit because she's a little too over eager. And I don't know if this is a genuine conversation, but I'm a little desperate right now. I need to hire someone for this area and blah, blah, blah. So the recruiter is convincing me that she's just this great candidate. So I hire her and um, fly up to Oregon. This girl comes out and never in my life have I seen anything like it because we had a dress code, obviously, and it was always business, you know, professional. So that meant like yeah. blouse you know trousers whatever or suit right okay so all I saw was bright green 
you know, unkept hair, probably hadn't looked like maybe ha she hadn't showered in a couple days, potentially a week. The kicker was, and, and, and you could see her undergarments, like underpants. I was like, what is happening? But the kicker was there was no shoes. Like, where's your shoes? So she's coming in the car and I'm thinking, did I just pick up like somebody from the street? I mean, like, who is this? And so oh I'm like, God. where are your shoes? Like, what happened to your shoes? Like, and your clothes, like bright green. Like, what are you, what are we doing? Like, did you see our dress code? Like we have a dress code, you know, situation that we have to follow. And she's like, oh yeah, but this is what I'm wearing. And I was like, oh my God, but no, you can't go in barefoot. Like, where's your shoes? Oh, I left them at my grandma's house 10 miles away. I have never in my life, like, I, then I started to think, am I being filmed for some like show right now? I was going to say you're happening? being conked, right? <laughs> Completely like I'm being conked because never in my life have I witnessed anything like this. This was one of the craziest things. And then I was on the phone with that recruiter, like, this girl is like we're done like I'm flying home I'm not working with her this girl's crazy like this oh my the God. craziest thing I've ever seen yeah like she can't she's not wearing shoes like <laughs> and she hasn't showered in probably a week like I can't even have this girl in my car like I'm not trying to be mean but this is fast right now like she's not walking in any office with me this is oh my crazy God. yeah I think that does yeah take <laughs> It was, it was definitely one of my top, you know, interesting yeah. times that, you know, it, it, it's, I mean, these are the things you deal with. And then, you know, during those transition times and you're going through this kind of stuff, you got other reps calling you at the same time and they wonder why you're like, hello, yeah. I need to call you back in a few minutes. Cause you're exactly. exactly. so much stress, you know? Yeah. And I think people looking in on the outside, you know, thinking, you know, what the life of a sales manager, they don't realize like all the different balancing acts you have to do. And, and just, like I said, dealing with different personalities on your team and, you know, particularly like people who just, you kind of can see, right. You know, their game because, you know, you've managed people for so long and like brown nosers that just, you, you know, they're blowing smoke up your ass to like get on your good side for something. And you just don't know what it is at the moment, but they think you don't know what's going on, but I know you always were really keen to people and kind of spotting all that out. Yeah, I mean, when, you, when you've been managing for as long as I have, I mean, you just, it's like a internal thing. Like, you just know it immediately. I could smell it right away. You know, it's just, you just know what you know, and it becomes second nature to you. So it's just like interviewing people. Like, I can tell pretty close in, like pretty much immediately when you start interviewing someone, I can just tell from a conversation, certain things they say, you spend enough time with somebody, you start to learn, you know, you, you, you can tell, you know, um, there's certain qualities that stick out with certain people. And yes, if someone, you know, you have different personality types that you're dealing with, uh, you know, if you have a team of people that, you know, every day you're, you're taking fielding calls and you're just, you go from one personality to the next. And by the end of the day, it's, it's pretty exhausting, you know, at times where you're just like, you know, it could be draining because you're dealing with some really great people that are fun to talk to that are nice and pretty easy for the most part and self-maintaining. And then you've got some people that need a little bit more handholding and um, might require some more of your mentoring, which is what you're there for. And then you've got some people who you really want to help. There was people that I really wanted to help that were just not willing. Like they're just the kind that you just, 
you can't help them. Like they think they know and they're just not open to it and they're very catty. And, you know, so it, it's a lot of different tugs and pulls throughout the day. So it can be tough, but the brown nosing, I, you know, I feel like that's why I never really got involved with sales reps. And I know we just talked about that before, but it's, I try to keep a very close, you know, line on, you know, personal versus business. I never got involved with people that I worked with because I don't, I don't want that issue. I don't want to have a friendship with anyone that I'm really working with. I try to keep it very separate, you know, where it's like we work together and that's it because I don't want them to feel like they're getting a special favor. I don't want any upper level management to think I'm doing anything that I'm not supposed to be doing because there's, there's that too. You know, you have to, as a executive, you, you know, you have certain protocols you have to follow too. And you're being watched very closely. So you don't want to, you know, fall into any problems from that end either, where they're looking at you like, oh, are you giving her better sales goals? Are you doing something for her because you're friends with her? Right. You know, and you don't want reps to say that about you either. Like, oh, you like Claudia. So you're, you're doing that for Claudia because she's your friend. So you have to tread so carefully when you're in management to really try to be even with everybody and, and fair. So the best way to do that is to really do your job and stay out of, you know, any kind of personal relationship with anyone you work with. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you always, I mean, you were the person that, you know, is really near and dear to my heart because I know you took a big chance on me. I didn't, I, you know, interviewed with you for a sales executive role for the Las Vegas market with Glow. And I really didn't have quote unquote outside sales experience. You know, I have done sales obviously just with selling retail and, you know, being an esthetician, but I didn't have, you know, the quote unquote sales experience that I think a lot of sales managers look for. But I think, you know, I'd like to think you, you know, saw something in me and trusted me and I ended up, you know, doing really well in sales, but it was always such a, a, you know, I'm always thankful because it's always takes, you know, someone special to give you your first chance. And so you Mm -hmm. were that for me, but I remember just thinking how lovely you were and how easy you were to talk to. And I thought, oh, great. It's, you know, having a good manager makes all the difference in your career. But I know once I started working for the company, I mean, I saw that everybody was so afraid of you. (laughs) Like they were just (laughs) so afraid of Krista. It was like, like you talked to Krista, you know, it was like, they were just so afraid. And I think that just goes to your you know, you're all business. And that's what I respected and did my best to emulate as I, you know, was doing my job as I really just loved your approach. No, thank you so much. I mean, you did a great job. And, I, you know, and I respected that. And I, I believe in giving people a chance. I'm, I'm so much about that. And I did see something in you. And I mean, I feel like there's an intuition that you can have in people. And I said, you know, just talking, you know, you can tell you get a really good gauge when you've been doing it a long time that, you know, there's a personality type that you just know that they're going to be able to sell and who's professional and who's, who's serious about coming in and and doing this kind of work and who has a passion for it, you know, because it's not just a job, like this is your career. This is something you take serious. So there's a lot of elements to doing this kind of work to be very successful. And so, you know, you had all those key points that were really important, but it's funny. I know that you say that, that the people that perceive that they have that fear, but I mean, the point was that, you know, I just didn't want to be involved with anyone on any kind of personal level, because for me, it was just business. I mean, I wanted to make sure that people understood that I'm not there to be friends. I'm there to just do my job. And 
I need them to do their job. So we're there for a common cause. You know what I mean? It's not, there's nothing wrong. I don't just like you. I just am not there to, you know, be buddy, buddy. It's not like that. I just, you know, although I was really nice to everyone, I feel like, you know, I wasn't trying to make anyone feel intimidated at all. It was more about me just really trying to do my job. You know, at the end of the day, I had, I had goals that I had to meet, or I had pressure that, you know, I had to uphold. So, Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to put that on anyone, you know, but I, I just, you know, what most people don't understand is that I'm dealing with stuff on my own, but I kept that all to myself because that's what a professional does. I just didn't want to gossip with people about the company, my job, what I had to do, because that just really isn't the right thing to do. I don't, I don't feel like that belongs in a workplace whatsoever. So as, as far as I was concerned, I just really wanted to really uphold a good standard for the company. I respected the company I work for. So yeah, that's really how I looked at it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I remember, you know, obviously getting, you know, starting off and you were my manager and I think it was our, my first sales meeting and what really pulled you near and dear to my heart and what made me even respect you even more was, you know, I encountered for some strange reason, encountered a lot of bitchiness and cattiness from the existing sales team. And I just couldn't figure out why they were hating on me. I was just like, why don't you get to know me first and then hate me? Like, give me a chance. (laughs) And you were just so great with like nipping it in the bud. And, you know, I just really respected the way that you managed that whole situation, but it was kind of shocking to me. I kind of felt like I was back in high school. And I think that that is a real part sometimes of working with all women that, you know, maybe we don't always talk about. Um, But I'm going to bring it out here in this podcast because there are some unfortunate things that happen. And how do we deal with that? Yeah. I mean, that's, that is a downside of working with women. And unfortunately, I mean, me being in this business over 20 years, I've dealt with it the whole time. I mean, you're dealing with, again, it's the different personalities, a lot of jealousy. You were a threat coming in. You know, you're a pretty girl. You do great sales. You've got, you know, other top reps on that team that feel a threat, you know, that you were coming in. And, you know, you know, being in sales is very competitive. And so when you, when other top sales reps, another rep coming in that's already you know doing pretty well and then you're attractive on top of it they're already threatened I mean I dealt with it when I first started people were mean to me you know they were really mean to me and and you know you just kind of ignore it because you're like who cares I'm here to make money I'm not here to be your friend I don't really care and so you know, I knew exactly what was happening to you. And that's why I was like, I'm not putting up with this. And I've known all those girls because those girls have been on my team for how many years. So I, I let them all know, like, that doesn't fly with me. You can't yeah. do that to anybody that's on my team because it's just wrong. It's not okay. And it's so, it's so juvenile. It's so stupid. It's like, what are you doing? Like, just worry about yourself. Don't, don't disrespect her because she's, she's doing well. Yeah. Well, and that's so, what I loved about outside sales was that you didn't have to necessarily work with anyone. It's not like you're in an office together every day. And I, you know, everyone's kind of just doing their own thing. And I was kind of glad to get out of that sales meeting, to be honest, and get, and get back to the territory. I'm like, I'd rather be prospecting all day than be here. I mean, it was, it was an experience, but I think, again, I always remembered that. And I think that having integrity as a manager and really calling things out when you see something is, is not right and wrong and, and not being afraid to speak up for the fear of, you know, people not liking you, I think was so important. I, and I, like I said, I'll never forget it. And I think when I became a manager, I tried 
you know, to kind of do the same for people that I thought were unfairly treated um, and speak up because I think that it's important to set your, set your intentions and your integrity and put it out there. Well, I mean, I always looked at it and I think that's the right thing to do because essentially you're a mentor, you know, you're the people that are working for you, you're mentoring them. They're looking up to you. You're the leader. So what kind of leader are you if you allow that kind of behavior? So to me, it's like, I'm not, I'm not a good leader if I'm allowing people to, you know, on my team to disrespect each other or to, to talk poorly about someone else. Like what kind of leadership is that? So I always look to, to the fact that if I'm going to lead, I'm going to lead with integrity and with, you know, a moral compass that, you know, is the right thing. I want my team to really be successful. And I think that's why we had the most successful team in the whole company yeah. the whole way through. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had the best team ever. And I mean, yeah. that's what I got hired to do when I went to the next company. You know, the reason I went there is to restructure and rebuild that company. That's what I do best. Mm -hmm. And, and it's like, you, you want to have the morality and, and you want people to work with integrity because when you talk about success, part of that success comes from having good morals and being an ethical person. People can see through that. They want to work with you if you do right by them. Mm -hmm. You know, the people that don't care, they don't, they know you don't care. I mean, all that kind of shows through in your personality. So part of being a mentor is trying to teach the girls that work for me. I wanted to teach them how to be that kind of person, whether they stayed and worked for me, you know, wherever they went, you know, I hope, and I stay in touch with a lot of people still, you know, that worked for me a long time ago. You know, I talked to many people and it's so nice because if you can touch someone's life in that way and they remember it and they use it and, you know, in their life still, I think it's amazing. I think that you've really accomplished something and it goes back to, you know, the success, like, you know, that's a great success for me. That makes me feel like I've really done something good for somebody else. Absolutely. And I, and I want to just share with everyone that might be listening that, you know, I do believe in karma and, you know, kind of just, re, you know, finishing up on that story of those girls that were kind of mean to me in the beginning. One of them that was really mean to me, I ended up being her boss, which was, I think the best karma that was ever given <laughs> was mm -hmm. that I ended up, you know, managing her. And um, so hang in there. If you, if you are, you know, being singled out or, you know, your teammates aren't really as friendly. Don't worry. Just focus on your job. Do the best that you can, you know, put blinders on, just go forward with what you're doing and just know that the universe always will take care of it. Oh, well, I mean that those people are miserable. I mean, what I could tell you, cause I knew is the people that did that were the most unhappy people. I mean, they're saying things or doing things cause they're, you know, they're miserable people. And, you know, I always felt like, you know, I wanted to fix things or fix people. And I realized on that journey that there is no fixing, you know, right. the one person that you're talking about, I mean, you, you know, that, that was the same person that we had a problem with in the sales meeting. I mean, you can't fix certain people, right? You know, they're just not fixable. And, you know, and, and people burn bridges, you know, there, there's, this is a very small industry. And so, you know, you have to be careful too, when you, you do decide to grow in this kind of industry, it is small. So mm -hmm. you want to really, you know, keep, you know, your ethics high and do right by yeah. people because everyone kind of talks about everyone in this industry. Yeah, 
that that is true. And I think you kind of covered my question, which is, you know, what advice would you give someone wanting to be a sales manager? And I think you really already kind of answered that. But what do you think it takes to be a really top performing sales rep? What qualities or what things do people really need to be working on to rise up? I mean, you have to have such drive to really be a top performer. I mean, I'm talking like you have to see it, you know, in front of you, like I call it tunnel vision. You know, when we talk about the business within, you know, inside a business, you have to be driven. I mean, sometimes I say, you know, you either are driven or you're not, but I believe that you can teach people to have that drive if you can just, you know, get them motivated. But it's it's a it's an internal thing where, you know, you, you have to get up everything, you have to do it, you've got to be driven number one, you've got to, you know, you have to know how to build relationships with people and really authentic ones. It can't be like that fake brown nosing kind of thing. It has to come from an authentic place where you're going in and you're just authentically talking to people and you're going the extra mile. You know, like if you see their display is dirty, you actually pull out a Windex bottle and start cleaning it because you want to, not because they asked you to do it or because you're trying to be anything but authentic. You know, those are the kind of things you take in order for them. You come in every three weeks, you drive 200 miles if you have to, like you are going the extra mile. If you really work hard the first year in sales, I mean, it will pay off so greatly. Like people don't realize it it takes a good year to year and a half of just hard, hard work and you will see the fruits of your labor. It's, it's just a cold calling, the, the relationship building and, you know, social media today is also so, you know, instrumental too, but it doesn't take away from, you know, people are using social media a lot as a tool and they think like, Oh, I can do zoom. I can do social media. I don't really have to go in. That isn't true. I can tell you that the people I talk to, they still want that one-on-one interaction. They want you to come in. They want that, they want that connection. Yeah. And, and sales is about connecting. If you don't connect with someone, you're not getting the account. I don't care how good your product is. If they don't like you, they're not going to buy from you. And they say that people decide that within the first 10 seconds. So how do you avoid that or make that change? It's really about, you know, whatever problems you're having, however you're feeling that morning, you got to wipe that away and Mm -hmm. like turn that, you know, frown into a smile. I swear to God, that's, I used to think about it. Like I can't, take my personal problems. I got to wake up and just be happy and just go out there and just slam this day. You know, that's how you have to feel. And you just have to be motivated and, and do it. You know, you, and one thing I learned that was so critical is, you know, what's your why? I think I've told you this. Mm-hmm. you have to have a why, right? Every day, what's your why, whether it's money, whether it's your child, whether it's your husband, every person has a why. And if you can identify what your why is, you will really know how to like fine tune that focus and success. You'll be like, I get up every morning and I do this because of my, you know, my husband. I love him so much that I want to, I want to make so much money this year because I love him. And this is why I'm getting up. You know, if you can figure out your why and, and, and put a picture of him in your car or put it, you know, on a folder, whatever it is. That if that's what motivates you, then you need to use that as your tool to get up every morning at five o'clock, get in the shower and be out in the car at eight o'clock every morning or seven o'clock and just start driving. Yeah. But if you have those components, you can't fail. 
you know, it, failing is because you're not doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very, very true. And I remember you giving me all those tips and advice. And I remember you, one of the best things I think you ever helped me with or told me was that when you were in sales, you said, you know, you're, you're going to, you know, we're given goals, you know, to achieve for the month. And you said, I never even used to look at that goal. I used to set my own goal and it was always more and higher and I would make myself achieve it. And I think that's the right attitude is, you know, you're given a goal, but you shouldn't necessarily accept that goal. You have to create your own reality and what you want. to. That's achieve. the God honest truth. Mm -hmm. that, that's the God, that is the truth. Do you know that I never even knew what my goals were when I first started? And I had no idea. I didn't even care what they were. I was like, my personal goal was I'm going to sell 150,000 a month. I don't even care. Like when I would get my goal from my boss and he, you know, he, I didn't even know what it was because he never even told me actually. Then he started to tell me, he goes, by the way, I forgot. I, I'm not giving you your goal. I was like, oh, you don't have to give me the goal, you know, because he's like, you're doing so well. I, I, you know, and I said, yeah, don't worry about it. I said, I have a personal goal. So whatever goal you're going to give me, it's, I have this personal goal. So I'm, I'm hitting that. That's, that's what I want to hit. <laughs> I know. And it's, you know, it's, you do find gems like yourself when you're, you know, you, you hire some really amazing people and you're like, wow, you just have a natural talent for it. But then, you know, some people do interview really well and you trust your instinct and you think, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to hire this person. Then it's like, where did that person go from the interview? And this person just isn't performing. And I know oh, yeah. you probably have experienced that as well. And it's just, it's kind of a, it's yeah. almost a mystery to me. Like, how does that happen? How do you interview so great? And then you just don't perform? Well, I mean, there's just people that have a knack for interviewing, but there's a way to kind of navigate through that a little bit too. I mean, if you stay on the phone with someone long enough, sometimes you can figure it out. Yeah. And I mean, when someone has too many of the right answers, you know, that kind of sometimes lets you know that, nobody's perfect. I mean, nobody's going to be that perfect or have every good answer. So you always have to kind of be skeptical when someone's telling you everything you want to hear. It's just like dating, you know, they're telling you everything you want to hear. You're like, wait a minute, you're just too perfect. Wait, there's something wrong with you. Come on, you know, so, you know, I think there's, there's ways to kind of navigate, but we've, we've all made that mistake. I've done it myself. Of course, I've hired someone and gone, gone, wait, no, but, you know, but the idea is that you, you figure it out fast, you right. know, you right. figure it out very quick. Um, well, let's, let's pivot a little bit. And I want to talk about, you know, the industry now and, and, you know, what do you think has changed for sales reps in the last five years? Like what's, what's different and, you know, what do sales reps in today's market need to be aware of? Is there any secrets or tips you can give us on that? I think what's changed is is definitely social media has changed. And I think um, I've noticed rep, you know, either using it too much or not using it enough. I think there's a balance where it can be used really great as a tool mm -hmm. um, to your advantage where you can use it for, you know, as a great marketing piece. Again, going back to my point where it does not take the place of that connection because sales is about connecting. And if you don't have a connection and you know, real time, you're, you're going to lose that account regardless. You're not either going to not going to get it or you're going to lose it because people want to still connect in person. I think what's changed is we've been flooded with a ton of skincare products. I mean, I can't believe how many new brands there are. I don't even know half of them anymore. Now it's like, you know, the original brands that were there, there's so many more that have come out. I mean, we still have the original really you know, standout product lines that have great ingredients, but 
I haven't seen a lot of innovation change. You know, I'm kind of disappointed in lack of innovation with ingredient technology, but I think the, what I've seen happen is ingredient innovation hasn't really happened, but marketing innovation has taken its place. So what I mean by that is Mm -hmm. it's, it's like the technology age of where now product lines are just relying heavily on marketing a brand with cute marketing, but the ingredients behind it are just garbage. You know what I mean? And you don't know it because you're really focused on like who's selling it or, you know, how great the product looks, but the quality of what's there is just not, not it. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, I feel like the natural product market has really kind of come forward. A lot of people are very much into the, you know, natural ingredients. That's a whole different segment. You know, it's a different buyer. I think with selling, you know, as far as selling these products, you know, I think you just have to be a little more creative, especially right now with the COVID, you know, we're forced into Zoom. (laughs) You know, this is a whole new, a a whole new world. But I think that this is a time to be more creative, you know, and think of new ways that we're going to have to sell going forward. So Zoom is a great tool to use, but again, it doesn't replace you know, going in and, Mm -hmm. you know, still being, I think you have to be more attentive to your client today. And this would be a time where I would be more, you know, on top of my clients and being, you know, how can I take orders for you? What more can I do? How can I help you sell through? What kind of events could we do for your clients? Or how can we put, you know, like Zoom events, you know, what kind of things can we think of creatively to get products moving? This has been a tough time for accounts. It has, and it's been a tough time for sales. You know, I, Today, I I had a sales um, call with my team and we were talking about, you know, leveraging LinkedIn and utilizing that in a different capacity, which was kind of interesting. But yeah, I think that we have to be creative right now and find a new way to stay connected until this, you know, COVID crisis passes us by. Absolutely. I mean, the connecting part is the key. That's going to be the key and offering like Zoom parties for them. Like that could be something that... I'm going to write yeah, that Zoom down. Party. That's great. I love that, that you can do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I love that. You should do Zoom parties, Zoom events, doing, you know, Zoom education for your client. Like I would be all in right now. If I was in sales, I'd be like, hey, you know, Susie at the Four Seasons, let me do a Zoom, you know, event, educational event for your clients that want one. You know, just being creative and doing, going the extra mile for their customers. Like what can you do as a sales rep to educate and help their client and at home tips, you know, stuff that they can do at home, you know, since they can't go see their esthetician. So you can help the esthetician still sell products to the client, you know, with like at home mask treatments and stuff like that. So just being a little bit more creative in those ways, that's what I would do. Yeah. And as we wrap up, I have two final things I want to talk to you about. And one is, you know, with all of your experience and all the years you've been in the beauty industry, what does the beauty industry mean for you? Like, what is it to you? Uh, I mean, it's my life. I mean, you you know, that. I mean, it's my career. I'll, I'll never get out of it. It's what I I love it so much. I've done it. That's all I've ever done. I am still very involved. I'm working on things, as you know, I, it it's, so near and dear to my heart. I mean, I study it every day. I'm constantly involved in like what's new, what's trending, what's going on. 
you know, who's doing what. I'm watching, you know, TikToks with my son, watching some of these TikTok people that talk about skincare. And I'm like, oh my God, they don't know what they're saying. You know, so I cringe. I'm like, ah, because I come from, you know, really understanding skincare and knowing ingredient technology where these YouTubers are just talking about stuff they don't know. And I'm like, oh my God, they have no idea what they're saying right now. I can't handle it, you know, but they're just, they're just talking, you know, they're selling what they're selling. And, but, you know, we really come from a place of understanding like the skin, the layers of the skin, what every ingredient does, how it works in the skin. Like it, it's a whole different process of understanding. Well, you're going to have to then create your own TikTok channel and educate people. I want to see you doing the dances and I want to see you <laughs> selling the skin. You never know. That could be in the works. You never know. <laughs> I've thought about it heavily. I'm like, I got to do this. I got to like educate people. I'm so tired of this. They got to know the truth. Yeah. You'd be great at it, really. Thank you. <laughs> and it'd then be, like, It would be fun. And then what? are your go-to products right now? Cause I know you're a product junkie and you've tried everything out there. I mean, I remember, you know, when I got started in sales and you were my manager, if I didn't, you know, I would get stumped with the question, you know, from an account, I would call you and be like, what is this ingredient? And you just were like a wealth of knowledge. So I, I'm always curious as to know what your skincare routine consists of these days, because <laughs> I know you have the latest and the greatest and whatever is good, you have it. So can you share with everybody like your top five skincare products? Yeah. You know, it's so funny. So I stumbled across, I mean, first of all, I'm, I'm diehard and I, I know I shouldn't say, I mean, this is like the funniest I'm diehard skin Medica always has, you know, I've always loved their products. Um, I use retin-A prescription. I will never not use that. You know, I've always used that. That's been my main staple for, I've used retin-A for what, 20 years. I've never stopped using it. Um, the real retin-A, the prescription from my dermatologist. I think that is the most critical thing you can put on your skin. I mean, people waste so much money on a lot of beauty products, but truth being told, I mean, that's one thing that it's in dermatology journals about how critical that one product is for your skin. But I use Skin Medica. I'm diehard with Skin Medica. I you mean, I've used TNS. it for many years. I love the TNS. Okay. I'm really, really sold into that. I also started using, I've kind of fell in love with this brand. It's called Skin Active and you're your own little chemist. So I'm buying my own active and kind of mixing and creating my own ingredients because I have to do it that way. So I'm adding in like the peptides, the niacinamide, and it has higher level of percentages. So I'm just really into that. So they send it to you and then you mix it yourself. And mm. I was like, at first kind of like, let me see how this works. There's no scent to anything. It's literally just, you know, the levels like, you know, that would come from a lab. So I was really interested in that. So I just been using that product and I really, really am enjoying their product, but you're really making it yourself, which is something that I like. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I like the Epicurin. I still use Epicurin as well. I'm pretty hard sold on the cholesterol and, and then I use hyaluronic acid. You know, I, I still use the, uh, original Celex C hyaluronic, the B5. Okay. okay. And I where do you like that? And you wear Celex C hyaluronic. Is that, is Derm that store? Derm store. Okay. Derm okay. store has it. And it's really, I mean, out of all the hyaluronics, that is the best one. 
I'll have to try. I mean, I, I remember using that years and years and years ago, but I, I guess I forgot about it. I'll have to look it up again. Yeah, it's, it's the best one. It's the best consistency. It works the best. It penetrates the best. It plumps your skin the best. I mean, I really like it. There's some newer brands where, you know, they have multiple different levels of you know, molecules of hyaluronic acid that they use. But when I use them, I don't feel like they hydrate as deep as this one. It goes in and it doesn't sit on the surface where the other ones are using dimethicone. So it's staying more topical. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't like that. So, I mean, they're just not formulated as well. Yeah. The Celex C one is one of the best formulations. Mm -hmm. I have to say, I mean, even though it's been around a long time, it's a really good formulation. You kind of stick with what's good. Yeah, it's it's always great to hear other people's perspectives on skincare. You know, those of us that work in the industry, we all have our, our go-to and our favorites. And do you think yours changes or are those kind of your always your go-tos? Those the ones you mentioned. Those are my go-tos. Those are my, and you know, the one eye cream I've loved and it's not even that expensive and I've used it for probably, I don't even know, maybe 10 years now, at least maybe eight or 10. The Naya eye cream, the medical one. Yeah, I, the Naya 24, the right? Naya is, you can only get it in the doctor's offices, but they what? sell it at skin store. And that that's all based on niacinamide, right? It's Yes, yeah. it is absolutely the best eye cream. Okay, well, good. I'm glad that you shared that because, you know, I know you only like the best. That one's great. And then I go to the department store and I'll buy like Lemur and I'll put that on at night, just heavy moisture, you know, just for extra moisturizing, like during the winter. Oh. That's so um, just, You're so Hollywood, Krista. <laughs> no, I mean, it is really good just for, but it's not doing anything like for your treatment stuff. I'm using all the medical and then for just hydration, Lemur is great. You know what I mean? It's a great moisturizer. I mean, I wouldn't tout it as some like anti-aging product. It's definitely not. Mm-hmm. It's a good moisturizer. That's it. Yeah. You know what I mean? For like, it has no other property. Yeah. Okay. So those are my go-tos. Like I'm, if I run out of something, I would freak out. Like I always have (laughs) those products in my cabinet, but I have tons of other things. Like I've tried, you should see my cabinet. It's insane. I have so many different brands. I have Barbara Sturm in there, which, you know, there's a lot of other things I've tried. I just, I'm not impressed with a lot of the other brands and anything natural, you know, because I've done development, you know, it's, fine if you want to maintain skin, but if you're looking to make a change on your skin, I mean, natural products aren't going to do it. You know, the problem is they just, the ingredients aren't strong enough in a natural product to make changes in your skin. Mm-hmm. You have to use medical grade. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that statement hundred percent. You know, it's, it's nice to have a balance of both, but to make a change, you do need a little bit more pharmaceutical grade ingredients. You do. Unfortunately, I know people don't want to hear it. They're like, no, I want to use natural. And I mean, I wish, I wish that wasn't true. I wish we could use all natural and do it, but it it just doesn't work like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you're young, natural is great (laughs) because you don't really need anything, but as you get older, um, you need a little, as you get older. (laughs) Yeah. You need, you need to go into more pharmaceutical level ingredients Mm -hmm. that are going to create change in your skin you know the natural you know isn't going to really do it especially if you're unhappy with aging in your skin you know and you're like hey I'm seeing some fine lines and wrinkles I mean there's nothing in the natural category that's going to really address that yeah 
so true. Well, Krista, it was so great um, to chat with you. And I definitely, I know we talked about doing another episode together because I know you have a lot of exciting projects that you're working on with product development. And I would love, you know, to have you come back and share that. And, mm -hmm. and then, you know, we could just dive deeper into, you know, sales techniques because that is your specialty. And I think people definitely can benefit from that. So I appreciate you taking time and, you know, sharing your love for the industry. And, um, and thank you for always being a wonderful mentor and friend in my life. And, I just, I love you to death. Oh, thank you. I love you too. And you've been the greatest. And I'm so glad I could be that for you. And that means a lot to me. And I am just so, I mean, I love what I do so much. I think if people knew how much I love what I do and how much it means to me to, to be that person, you know, for them and for you, you know, they can't even understand how much it means to me. It's, it's a big deal for me to, to be, you know, a presence in your life and other people's. And I'm so happy I could be here to talk to you and to share my knowledge with you. So thank you so much. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you liked this episode, I would be grateful if you would rate and review and be sure to subscribe so you can get notified when the next episode goes live. To learn more about makeup, skincare, self-care, and my personal go-to products, visit thebeautydebut.com. Do you want to continue today's conversation? You can find me on Instagram at thebeautydebut and on LinkedIn at Claudia Fabian.